Tonight I want to continue with a series of talks I've been giving on the five spiritual faculties or the five factors of mind that as we progress in our practice become the dominating influences in our mind. And tonight I want to speak about the fourth spiritual faculty, the faculty or the factor of concentration. Concentration is the English, the nearest English equivalent of the Pali word ekegata, which is a combination of three words meaning gone to one point. And it really expresses the nature of concentration quite appropriately. It is the mind that has gone to one point to experience one thing only. Other words that we use at times to express um, concentration are absorption, being absorbed in your object of meditation, And sometimes we use the word samadhi. It's another Pali word meaning highly developed uh, concentration. And in some traditions they use the word jhana. Jhana meaning another uh, absorption of the mind in some experience or some object. So you remember that the other spiritual faculties or factors of mind that I've spoken about are confidence or faith, the assurance and acceptance of the Dhamma that gives us some clarity, some initial clarity in our mind about what we're doing, why we're doing this practice. And because of that assurance or confidence in the teaching, maybe the teacher and maybe our own interest and abilities, we make effort. We come here, we sit, we walk, we allow ourselves to try to be present. Confidence being the cause for the arising of energy or effort. Effort in its turn as we make the effort to connect our attention to our experience, to sustain our attention on the experience, whether it's our primary object or our secondary objects, the breath, sensations, other things in the body or the mind. We make that effort, and we make the effort to stay present with very difficult physical and mental things, dukkha. And it takes more presence of mind to be with unpleasantness because our habit, our tendency is to run away, to wish for that experience, to leave. So it takes some energy to stay with it, to sustain our attention on what's unpleasant. And the energy or the effort to make those subtle adjustments, to just, um, at this point in the retreat, with six months, it was six weeks of... (laughs) Six months, forget it. Six weeks of momentum. 
the adjustment we need to make in our energy or effort at any particular time is very subtle. It's not that arousing of tremendous energy and effort that we had to, or felt like we had to do in the first couple of weeks. Now it's all much subtler adjustments of our energy. So the effort or energy is the cause for our seeing clearly, our being with our experience, being mindful. Without that connecting and sustaining, we wouldn't know what's happening. We wouldn't be able to observe it. We wouldn't remember to be present. As we are present, as we bring more of our mind into this moment's experience, the mind gets collected. It's as if we round up these far-flung pieces of our mind that are hanging out in other locations with other people doing other things. We round them up and we bring them into the present moment, into this experience. The mind gets concentrated as we stay with the present moment. The experience in the present moment changes, as you know, a lot. But the mind comes to be here more of the time. Gets getting concentrated. So this single-pointedness of mind, <clears throat> in fact, this concentration or this factor of mind is present all the time. We don't think so, but we wouldn't be able to drive a car or make bread or read a book or even carry on a coherent conversation if we were so inclined without concentration. <laughs> so it takes some ability to hold the mind in one place to do anything. But, as you have also discovered in your own practice here, just being concentrated doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be mindful. Because we can be angry, and we can be concentratedly angry. Very concentrated mind in doing a very unwholesome or unskillful thing. A thief in the night, very concentrated, very quiet, not making any noise. Not very skillful, though. Concentration can be used skillfully or unskillfully, so it's ethically neutral. And concentration has an intensifying function. It prevents the mind from spreading out, collects the mind into one place, and it's necessary for any form of attention or focused awareness. The characteristic of, of, of concentration is not being scattered, not being diffuse or distracted, not wandering, staying focused. It means that the mind is really not divided. Half the mind here, half the mind there. Divided mind is not very concentrated, not very focused, not very precise. And so, 
we can see that concentration really opposes restlessness. Restlessness being a fragmentation of the mind or a scatteredness of the mind <clears throat> or agitation, restlessness and agitation. The most conspicuous feature of a mind that's concentrated is a sense of stability or a sense of being steadfast and unmoving. Again, in this practice of insight, because we're paying attention to a great variety of experience, the breath, other sensations, thoughts, feelings, emotions, mental states, we can have a sense of there being a, a lot of activity in the mind, and there is. But what we're talking about when we talk about the concentrated mind is the mind that knows this. It's not the uh, number or the variety of objects that needs to stay still. It's the knowing mind that stays still. So when the mind is stabilized, or this knowing quality, or this knowingness of the mind is still and stable, it really calms and soothes the restlessness in the mind, or the thoughts, or the speculation that we're so prone to. And understanding that concentration is a non-scatteredness, it's a non-wandering, it should be quite clear that you can't force it. Forcing anything is not being present with what is. It's wanting something else. And if you're trying to get concentrated, you're not acknowledging the present moment. And that very tension to create something that you think is concentration will actually prevent it. Only by being in the present moment with this experience, whatever it is, even if it is restlessness or agitation, can we develop the mindfulness that brings us, brings our mind into a single point that collects the mind. It's said that concentration comes from a mind that has stopped wanting and has started to enjoy. Can you get the difference? Not wanting, but enjoying this, being interested in this, harmonizes the mind, brings the mind together. The mind finds itself in this tranquil present moment. function of consciousness, or the fun function of concentration, is to pull all the pieces of the mind together. And what do I mean when I say the pieces of the mind? You remember that there's determination, resolution, energy, the connecting of the mind, the sustaining of the mind, the tranquility, the equanimity, the wisdom factor, the concentration. It pulls all these 
factors of the mind together, condenses them, and puts them on, aims them towards, connects them to the present experience. It has that collecting function, collecting and condensing function. And when the mind is collected, it becomes really sharp and precise, able to go into the experience below the surface more deeply to see into the nature of things and not just the surface of things. In this collecting of the parts of the mind or the fragmented nature of the mind or the different factors of mind, concentration functions much like a magnifying lens. Magnifying lens takes light from a large source and reduces it to a small source or from a small source and expands it to a large source, however it works. But it focuses light so that we can see more detail. And if we took and looked at our hand with our bare eye, we see something. We know, we recognize it. If we look with a magnifying lens, we see the pores and the hairs and the individual something or others. And if we looked under a microscope, took a piece of skin and looked under a microscope, we would be seeing more concentratedly, we would be seeing greater detail and we might lose complete perspective. <coughs> Probably would forget that we were looking at a hand. And if we put it under an electron microscope and bounced some electrons around on it, we wouldn't have a clue as to what we were looking at. The mind would be so concentrated, or the vision in that case would be concentrated. The same thing happens with our mind as we get concentrated. We're looking at normal body, physical, mental experience. As we get focused, as we get collected, don't you sometimes experience loss of perspective? Yogi mind, for example. I have a friend, lives nearby here, who's a painter. He's an artistic painter. And he's very good. He's becoming famous. And when he paints, he paints a lot of um, self-portraits. A lot over the years he's painted, 20 or so. Same person. When he paints, he paints underneath a magnifying lens. He has a big magnifying lens hanging on his easel that he paints, puts right up to the painting and paints. And I've watched him paint. Some of his brushes have only a couple of bristles, and he paints full-size pictures. And when you stand back and look at it, it looks more real than he does. And when you put the magnifying lens up to it, the skin, the, the texture of the skin, the quality of the skin looks more real than skin. By getting that close, you see more detail. You see things as it really is. You don't just see a painting. You see every brush stroke that he put, every pore, every hair on the skin that he painted. This is what our mind does as it focuses on this thing called life. 
our mind and our body. So as we get concentrated, as we get focused, as we magnify our object, we come to know more about it, whatever it is we're looking at, whatever it is we're observing. In the course of practice, this quality of mind, this concentration of mind, develops gradually. It's not possible to jump into a deeply concentrated mind. It's just not possible. It's a gradual development, as if we were going through layers of the mind to get deeper into it, to collect more of it. Or it's as if we were... It's like going into the ocean and just walking into deeper and stiller water. In the classical description of states of concentration or different concentrated states, they usually talk about three, roughly three degrees or three kinds of concentration. The first being a very basic uh, preparatory concentration, which we all have just to come and sit and to do to begin to practice. We have some some degree of concentration just to do that. With practice, we begin to get closer to what's called absorption, when the mind is totally unified in a single experience. But as we get close to it is a very distinctive degree of concentration called neighborhood or access concentration. And then with a little more stillness, tranquility, there comes a greater degree of absorption or greater degree of concentration when one can be or is absorbed in the experience, whatever it is, when the mind is at one with the experience. There are two types of meditation or development of the mind that the Buddha taught. One is purely for the development of concentration, for the development of tranquility of mind and body and deep states of uh, concentration. And he taught many different ways of doing that. In fact, the metta meditation that we do is like that. It's a concentrating, tranquilizing (coughs) meditation. It deals with a concept of love or the person that you're pervading it to, and it requires repetition over and over and over. And in time, the mind becomes quite skillful at staying with that feeling or that person, that generation of loving thoughts, and illusion of everything else. So that the mind stays really focused and really comes together on just that experience. The Buddha also taught color meditations and some reflections and different uh, reflections, thinking about the qualities of the Buddha or the qualities of uh, the Dhamma or different things like that, that one can reflectively collect the mind on. As we do that with any of those meditations, we gradually 
subdue, so to speak, or put aside, or are not distracted by the hindrances. The mind settles down. We're not so sleepy, we we have some energy, and we have some stillness that kind of puts aside restlessness. We're not wanting some other experience, we're not averse to the experience we have, and the hindrances stay away a little bit so that we can begin to get focused. All of the meditations that develop tranquility only are based on or have as their object a concept, the concept or the thought of love. And even though we sometimes use a color, initially it's an actual color and later it's the color as manifested in the mind when the eyes are closed. So it becomes a concept that we're actually training the mind to stay with. The other form of meditation or development of the mind, the Buddha taught, was insight. Not specifically for the development of tranquility, or uh, not only for that, but tranquility does come from development of insight. But in insight, instead of dealing with or instead of having a concept or a color or a thought as our object, we try to um, stay present with or train our mind to be with actual experience. Things that we can experience without thought. The body and experience feelings and mental states without having to think about them, but just experiencing them directly. And as we try to be with our present experience, whatever it is, we collect the mind in that moment to observe that experience. And though the object changes in the next moment, we again collect the mind and connect it to the next experience. So that in fact, the process of collecting the mind in insight is the same as is in the tranquility or concentration practices. Collecting the mind for this experience. Collecting the mind in the next moment for the next experience. So the factors of mind that get aroused and developed are the same. The object of our attention is different. So the preliminary practice that we're doing here brings us to or develops our preparatory concentration. And as we have been doing now for some weeks, it's the development of our ability to connect to and sustain our attention, recognizing that we are present with and staying with an experience because the mind is energized, the mind is alert. And when the mind's alert, we overcome the hindrance. We overcome the hindrances of sleepiness or dullness and doubt, as I've spoken about before. The development of the ability to connect and sustain our attention overcomes sleepiness and doubt. When we can connect 
sustain our attention, we see clearly what's happening. We are mindful. That is the very definition of mindful, observing or being with what's happening, remembering to be present, as I spoke about earlier. That ability to stay with and be with our experience creates a type of joy or a type of interest in being with what's happening or being enwrapped in the experience. <clears throat> that interest, joy or enwrappedment in our experience, in our object, in our, in our what's happening, overcomes any boredom or dislike or aversion that we might have towards it. And I spoke earlier about the way we experience this interest or joy as uh, tingling in the body or shuddering or um, great surges of energy sometimes that spontaneously move the body and other uh, feelings of elation that some of you um, experience sometimes. That joy, that, that interest in our experience being the forerunner for some degree of tranquility or contentment with what's happening. And eventually, when it cools down a little bit, finding that we really can be quite pleasantly in the body and mind, quite happy with or comfortably happy in the mind and body, thereby overcoming any sense of restlessness or distraction. That being the, the necessary ingredient for the mind to get concentrated. Some degree of happiness or harmony in the body, in the mind. So this one-pointedness, as it gets developed in practice, becomes or develops into samadhi or jhana-like levels of concentration. In the development of loving-kindness or other tranquility meditations, these factors of mind, connecting, sustaining, joy, sukha, happy comfort of mind and body, and uh, concentration, ekagata, they become very obvious at different times in our experience. They stick out like sore thumbs, so to speak. And in fact, part of the training in, in doing uh, continued and pretty intensive uh, tranquility practice is to develop deep degrees of absorption and then to reflect on, to turn the mind towards each of these factors of mind to see how they're operating in deep absorption. So you can get a very clear picture or feeling or experience of each of them. In the practice of insight, we don't do that. And so oftentimes, we don't get a clear sense of whether we are concentrated or experiencing joy or sukha. Only when it erupts into a pretty predominant experience do we pay attention to it. So I want to talk about how we experience these factors of mind, these concentrated or the factors of concentration at different stages of practice.
in the first stage or the first um, period of time in practice when we really get quite concentrated and this is briefly or momentary you don't have to uh, think that it's going to last all day or even for a whole sitting it might last for a couple of notes or maybe five minutes or something in a sitting so as I describe some of these experiences just acknowledge to yourself when and when you have experienced such degree of concentration. So when the mind is, is, is connecting and sustaining its attention very uh, continuously on our experience, there comes a sense of unity of mind where the mind just settles into the experience and the, 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 the mindfulness becomes extraordinarily clear where it's just very precisely knowing what's happening in that moment. We may miss that, but what we don't miss is how interested we get in what we notice. And we start reflecting on the great mindfulness that we have. We start to see memories very clearly we start to see our fantasies very clearly. We start to see what's going on in the body very clearly. And it tends to generate a tremendous amount of thought. Thinking about figuring out all of those past relationships that never worked, or all those future ones that are going to work, or why the body is feeling the way it is. How often do we spend hours reflecting on why that body, why that why that pain is right there? Well, I know I have a, something wrong. The mind gets caught. The mind is very concentrated. It sees, and when it starts thinking, it thinks very concentratedly. <laughs> it doesn't just see Vipassana objects concentratedly. It sees everything concentratedly. So the mind really starts ranging widely and reflecting deeply <laughs> on our experience. This is the beginning of recognizing concentration. <clears throat> Being able to hold a fantasy in the mind for a whole hour. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't do that before you practiced this long. But, as we all are too painfully aware, such reflection isn't really what we want to be doing here. Isn't really the practice we want to be Some of you it is, I know. <laughs> Figuring out things that need to be figured out. <laughs> Writing the book that you've always wanted to write, I know. But that type of reflection is actually, it's, it, it's indicative of good concentration, but it's a hindrance to further concentration. So the way that we need to, well, what we need to do with that is bring our concentration and our energy into balance. When we start reflecting wildly, we get so excited, we get very energized. And we stop noting, basically. Huh. What we need to do at that time is gently 
refocus our energy precisely on the experience. Nothing, none other than be mindful. I'm trying to say it in a, <laughs> a careful way, but be mindful of what's actually happening. Brings the mind's excitability down. As we do that, as we get more ability to connect and stay with those experiences, to really develop the ability to be with every experience, not just the primary object, but every thought, feeling, emotion, fantasy, mental state, as it arises, to connect with it, be with it, observe it, Connect with the next one, be with it, observe it. The ability to, to connect and sustain becomes very strong. We become very adept at it. And it's, the, it's, it's as if the mindfulness has momentum. And we don't really have to make so much effort. We don't have to struggle so hard to find the object or to stay with it. Those factors of mind become well-developed and happen automatically, or they become so subtle that we're not aware of having to make that effort. When that ability to connect and sustain becomes developed, gets smooth, where we just can sit there and be with the arising experience, and it may be for whatever your best sitting is of the day, for five minutes, when we can do that, we, we actually up our degree of concentration or deepen our state or degree of absorption. And the, the, the connecting and the sustaining seem to fall away. And what becomes really predominant at that time is our interest in what's happening. It's as if we're just living on our interest in being with it. And some of you report that you just are so, for periods of time, walking or sitting, just so fascinated with what's going on that there's no effort to connect or see what to, to connect or to sustain your attention. It's just there. And the interest becomes extremely um, buoyant. The mind becomes really light, really buoyant. And we're so quiet and so tranquil and so interested that everything is coming into really sharp focus. It happens then that as we note, sometimes we'll be looking at one experience and note it, it's as if we know a hundred other things around it in other parts of the body or in other parts of the mind, or we're just noting one sensation and we see 20 thoughts that try to get in the mind at the same time, but they don't. That's how precise the mind gets, just in this second level of absorption or in this second level of concentration, where we're so with the experience and we have so much interest that it's the interest that becomes predominant. It happens at this level of interest, because the mind is quite concentrated and it's intensifying everything, that when we get a 
sitting uh, where we are tranquil. The mind intensifies tranquility. Or when we get a feeling of great joy, the mind concentrates or intensifies that feeling of joy. Or when we get a feeling of clarity, good mindfulness, it's really intensified, magnified. And other things, just the feeling of pleasantness becomes intensified. The intensity of these experiences we attach to. Some of you come in and report, ah, tranquility, so calm. And I say, well, what was going on? Oh, it's just so calm. Did you note it? No, 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 no. (laughs) Don't want to note that. Don't want it to go away. So what'd you do? I just sit there, attached. Or it manifests a lot as the Dharma is so great, I can hardly wait till I get the chance to teach, to tell my mother and father, I'm going to buy them all a retreat for next year. Our mind proliferates in dwelling on the Dharma, how wonderful the Dhamma is, how wonderful the teacher is, or was, or will be, or how wonderful I will be. And it's not infrequent that because of the intensity of the experience, the intensity of the joy, the intensity of the concentration, the intensity of the pleasantness, the intensity of the lightness of the mind, we can think that we've got it. We're finished, enlightened, whatever. And it happens frequently. And we might not even, we might not acknowledge it to anyone, but we're kind of believing it inside of ourselves. This is really a significant experience, I know. I'm sitting here in absolute tranquility. It gets so good, we don't want to, at the end of the sitting, we don't want to get up. We don't want to open our eyes. We don't want to shift the posture. Don't want to lose that good sitting. Have you had that experience? Did you note attachment? It's indicative of a, a further degree of concentration, absorption into the experience. Some of you have, who come and have reported to me such experience, I sometimes have to get a little bit prickly with you and really encourage you to get back to the object, note what's going on, note tranquility, note pleasantness, note liking, note enjoyment, note, 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 keep noting, once a second, whatever your experience is, keep noting. It's not to destroy your experience of tranquility or joy or whatever, but it's to develop the mindfulness which will detach you from it. And only by detaching, only by noting, each of those experiences will you let go of that joy, that interest, that fascination with those experiences to drop into a deeper place of concentration. It's a, it's a really delicate transition to, to, to make from that fascinated interest to let go of that into something else.
It's difficult because in the first of our practice, in the first part of our practice, we have a lot of dukkha, we have a lot of pain, we have a lot of frustration and disappointment, and we want to note that and get rid of it. But when we get to this experience of joy and tranquility and calmness and subtlety of objects, we don't want to get rid of it. And so we don't know. But in fact, we're still attached. So it's only through the balancing of the energy once again, not to stay absorbed in that concentrated state, but to raise the energy of the mind to know, to be with, to acknowledge each and every one of those experiences that moves us into deeper insight, deeper concentration. And with practice, that interest or that joy, that, that those fantastic experiences cool out. Actually, our interest in them fades away. The mind is, is very mindful, really sharp mindfulness, really precise, connecting and being with every experience without interest. The interest fades away. What's left? Happy comfort of mind and body. And it's at this point that we really get a sense of how comfortable the mind and body can be. Remember that they're still changing objects. The experience is changing every moment. And yet it's as if the mind is perfectly still, or the body too, perfectly still being with it. body becomes extremely light, buoyant, but a feeling of being very centered, stable, and strong. The mind has the power to create that physical experience. You know what it feels like when you're angry? Tight, hot, contracted. You know what it feels like when you're in love? Light and buoyant and open. The mind has the power to create a physical experience. That's one of the ways that we experience physical things. When we get to deep levels of absorption, deep levels of concentration, the mind is making, so to speak, very subtle and pleasant physical sensations, experience. But without interest in it, without a real fascinated interest in this pleasantness, the balance in the mind becomes really predominant, really clear, because the mind is not leaning towards or grasping onto that experience, nor is it fearing any unpleasant experience. The equanimity of the mind becomes very obvious. The mindfulness becomes very panoramic without trying to see anything in particular, we see everything. But again, it's possible, it's frequent, that when we get to these experiences of tranquility and calmness, subtlety of physical mental experience, again we forget to note the energy drops, we just hang out with tranquility, calmness, equanimity. Nothing much is happening. 
not really bored but not really alert can tend to fall into a dullness actually or a sleepiness a subtle bobbing and nodding not being very present <clears throat> what it indicates is an imbalance in the concentration and energy factors needing to raise the energy again to note extremely subtle mental state. It may sound funny or it may sound impossible but happiness that happy comfort of mind and body is too gross of experience to deepen the concentration. It's too agitating to the mind. Interest and excitement of course is agitating. We can see that. Let go of that. Get to comfort, tranquility, uh, peace. Even that is too coarse for further concentration. Needs to be noted, let go of, to come to a deeper state of absorption or concentration. And when we do, that comfort, that happy comfort of mind and body also disappears. What's left? Stillness of mind and equanimity. Concentration and equanimity. <coughs> Clearly being with anything very precisely, concentratedly, without reaction. It's not some state of mind far from your experience. You see it occasionally, briefly, just dropping into being with things as they are, still clear, non-reactive. The course of practice is the maturing of the mind to be present with that experience more of the time or more strongly so that we get derailed less frequently, less often. in that degree of concentration when the mind is non-reactive it's whatever happens at any of the sense doors whatever we see whatever we hear whatever we think does not move the mind to reaction we see it we may feel the unpleasantness of it or feel the pleasantness of it but we're not reacting with dislike and the moving away or attachment and reaching or moving towards. But seeing things as they are. With that degree of concentration, we see things more clearly. We see things as they really are. Looking at our life through a microscope. <coughs> These are the four major plateaus or or depths of, of concentration which we can experience in, in insight uh, practice. In the Buddha's teaching of, on concentration and tranquility, when he was teaching uh, about the tranquility or the samatha meditations, he talked about these four levels and he talked about a further four levels, not experienceable through insight, but only through development of um, 
profound concentration and tranquility in the mind. And just to just to briefly mention them. The first is the concentrated state of being absorbed in infinite space, if you can imagine. And it's only an imagination, remember. But having infinite space as the object of your mind and being absorbed in it. Or, secondly, being absorbed in the concept of infinite consciousness. Hmm. Hard to imagine what that experience would be like. But they say there is such a thing. Or being absorbed in the concept of nothingness. What's that? But anyway, the mind would be quite tranquil, quite still, quite cooled out, non-reactive. And uh, the last of the uh, formless jhanas or formless uh, concentrations is a state of mind which is called neither perception nor non-perception. Extremely subtle quality of mind. But in fact, sometimes yogis doing vipassana access experiences very similar to these. Infinite space, infinite consciousness, nothingness, falling into a space of what? Nothing. It's also at these, these higher levels of concentration where the Buddha talked about but did not encourage his, his, his students or followers to, to where one can develop psychic powers. And for those of you who've read like um, Carlos Castaneda's books uh, on Don Juan and Don Hanero and all of the fantastic things that they can do, creating themselves in another part of Mexico and talking and doing and flying and going into the earth and down here and walking on water and doing things like that. The Buddha says it's all possible. And in the Abhidhamma, they describe it also. One time when I was studying the Abhidhamma in Australia, I got talking to this, this, this monk that I was studying with. I just spent all day with him for several months. And one day, I was just talking to him about Don Juan and Carlos and all of the fantastic things that it seemed Carlos used to do, or that Don Juan used to Don Juan and Don Hanero. And as I would describe to him what was going on, he would say, ah, oh, yes, that's, you would do that by practicing this meditation, taking this resolution and doing it. And everything that I talked about, he told me how it would be done or how the Abhidhamma would describe that it would be done. It was a fascinating conversation, completely unreal to my experience, but it was fascinating. <laughs> So there are these, these four levels of uh, concentration or jhana that we experience in insight, and there's another four levels beyond that that we do not experience in insight. <coughs> One of the powers or some of the powers that can be developed is, for example, the ability to... Um, remember one's past lives or the ability to um, know other people's thoughts, other, other beings' thoughts, or some physical manifestations to be able to create things 
create appearances or to make things disappear. These are said to uh, happen. And when I was in Burma, practicing in Burma, it sometimes happens that Vipassana yogis also uh, access these things temporarily. And there was one woman who had come from Europe and she had come to the meditation center. After a couple of weeks of practice, she was she was remembering her past lives, or past lives a lot. And it was just kind of flooding her her uh, mind. And she was very excited, telling everybody that she, she was remembering past lives and na-na-na-na-na, telling me when she saw me in a, one of her past lives and all this. And I got really disturbed. I got re- <laughs> really quite upset because I wasn't remembering past lives. <laughs> So I thought, well, my practice can't be very good. So I went to, I went to Sayadaw and I, I was in a frustrated, disappointed state of mind. And I said, Sayadaw, says, uh, what, what's the purpose of this practice anyway? I says, what, what are we supposed to be doing anyway? Trying to remember our past lives or something? And Sayadaw said, no, no, no. He says, we're not trying to remember past lives. We're trying to remember this life. <laughs> Really put things in perspective. Good perspective. So this is concentration. This is single-pointedness of mind. The mind gone to a single point. The fourth of the spiritual factors. It's aroused or it's brought about by mindfulness. Being present with what's actually happening not wanting something different and not being averse to what's happening but coming bringing the mind into harmony with just this moment that allows the mind to collect on just this moment's experience and as we collect the mind as we bring more of the mental factors in as we more continuously come into the present moment we know more. We develop understanding, knowledge, and wisdom. Knowledge and wisdom being the fifth of the spiritual faculties that I'll speak about at another time. But in each case of the different types of um, concentration, different levels of absorption, the way to proceed is to bring the energy and the concentration into balance. Not to get so tranquil that you forget to note. Not to get so interested or caught up in things that you forget to note. sit for a couple of minutes and see if we recognize the present moment or some degree of steadiness or stability in just this moment and recognize the mind that has come to a single point
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.